0: Turn in your Bible to Luke fifteen. Luke fifteen. Everybody say Luke fifteen. Luke fifteen. We're going to begin a new series today. I'm not sure how long it'll go. It may go uh, uh, four weeks, so we'll just see how it how it pans out. Uh, last uh, month, and let me just throw this out uh, for everyone here. If you missed any or all of our um, uh, shift. Preparing Your Ways for Greater Days series that began the second Sunday of January and went through four Sundays, I encourage you to go online, go to our podcast, go to our video. Uh, you, I think we can watch it on video there online, or you can go to our iTunes, Where, however you want to get it. Download it on your smartphone, whatever. Uh, but uh, listen to those four message on sh- messages on shift. I really believe preparing your ways for greater days. Uh, there, if you want greater days, you got to prepare your ways and some things you may have to shift in your life in order for that to happen. And so I want to encourage you, To do that, I really believe it's a prophetic directive word for the church... As we begin this new year, and we're already halfway through February. It's hard to believe, and so keep that in mind. Uh, and so, this morning, for the next few moments, uh, yeah, I've got a little time here. I want to introduce this series to you called "Making Heaven Happy." A number of weeks ago, I was eating breakfast with what I call the three wise men. I'll reveal them to you, uh, uh, Pastor uh, R- Richard uh, Vaughn, who is a, a well-established evangelist and 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 senior. In fact, some of our members He used to be their pastor. I see uh, the Chadwick's here and brother Richard Vaughn. Just he's my hero. In fact Uh, In March, I'll be gone on a Sunday to Mexico, and and Pastor Richard Vaughn will be here preaching for us. You better bring your lost friends and family there because he will get them saved, I promise you. He has an anointing. So I was there at breakfast with Pastor Richard Vaughn and then Dr. David Shibley, one of the smartest, most talented, one of the most missions-minded world changers on planet Earth, and I kid you not was there. And then our founding pastor, my friend and, and, and the apostolic founder of this church, uh, Dr. Ron Hammonds, who pastors church on the rock, uh, in golden triangle church on the rock down, uh, on the South side of town, we were all together and and we were all just fellowshipping at IHOP and people are all around us. And I'm telling you, I was so motivated and so inspired. And as they were talking, I wanted to talk, but I had to, I just would be quiet. Listen, be quiet. Listen, you don't want to interrupt the three wise men. It's kind of like Peter on the mountain. I felt like Jesus and, and uh, who all, you know, Jesus, Peter, James, and John, or Peter, I get those guys mixed up. But then there's Elijah and Moses. They're there. It's a transfiguration moment. And Peter kept opening his mouth when he shouldn't. In fact, one of the Greek renderings says, not knowing what to say, he said you ever done that? Uh, and so I was trying not to do that. And so in all of this, this, this series exploded, this thought exploded into me, to my heart about making heaven happy. It's so important that heaven's happy. And, you know, let me just throw this out I, and I may not get through all my message today because I just so much it in my heart. Present day church culture Is mostly about making me happy. You just need to think about that. In fact, and and, and I know I, I'm going to be careful here, but we tend to look for churches that make us the happiest. We tend to look for churches that meet our needs the most. And I understand that, that the church is here to meet our needs. But let me tell you something. We are not, we're not here and the church is not here to make us happy. In fact, let me just tell you something. God is not super concerned about your happiness. I thought he was. He Now, don't get me wrong. His primary purpose is not to, in fact, let, let me just tell you, God has a plan, Right? He will succeed, right? And here's the third part. This is a Pastor Ron quote. He God. Everybody say, God has a plan. He will succeed. Here's the third part. Even if it costs him your life. He's never been opposed to sacrificing his kids for the sake of his eternal purpose. So if that's the case today then we need to refocus our thoughts and our attention upon the real purpose of God. And I want to talk about living a life that makes heaven happy. You see, when I come to the close of my life, and I'm getting there, folks, I'm, I'll be 60 this year. Ooh, help me, Jesus. My wife beat me. Married to an older woman. I'm an older woman. My wife beat She doesn't beat me. She beat me down. I've been in Mexico all week saying, Si, sí, senor. Oh, si, sí, no sabe. Uh, poquito." I'm learning something. Here we go. Derecho. I get these two mixed up. Derecho. Is that right? Derecha. Esquera. I forgot that one. Arriba. And I don't know that one. Don't want to go down there. So, we'll, you know, okay so i I'm, I'm, I'm a little you know i get home and say how are you i mean i it's, I'm, so i'm decompressing from all that so uh just just bid, bid bid me a little patience here today so i'm i'm endeavoring to make heaven happy when i get to the close of my life i want god to say well done thou good and faithful servant you've been faithful over a few things i'm going to make you ruler over much i want i want god in heaven to be happy with old pastor sam I want God to be happy with Church on the Rock North. I want heaven to be happy about you. And so with that in mind, let me introduce you to this this chapter, Luke thirteen. And here's your homework. Everybody have home oh we gotta have homework. Here's your homework. Write it down. Send yourself a text. Uh read Luke fifteen about twenty times uh this week and just embrace this thought out of Luke fifteen. Uh and, and so here it here it introduces uh the whole reason for Luke fifteen. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to hear him. Everybody say, Woo, hallelujah. Now I'm telling you, that's a revival waiting to happen right there. We got tax collectors. They got a lot of money. Who we need money. And then the sinners. That's what we need. Some sinners. Good old fashioned sinners to hear what Jesus is saying. You get the picture? But then a problem arose in the next verse and the Pharaohs and the, pardon me, the Pharaohs, the Pharisees and the scribes complained saying this man receives sinners and eats with them. That statement and that resistance and that complaint from the religious order of the day sparked Jesus to tell three short stories called parables. Little short stories that have a, that have an overall overarching meaning and purpose. And Jesus spoke in parables a lot and, and, and the disciples didn't understand. And, uh, uh, you know, you read the parables and the disciples say, what does this mean? What does that mean? And he would explain it. If you remember, he spoke a parable about sowing seed. And the disciples said, what does that mean? And he told them the seed is the word of God. And so those are parables. And so this this resistance, this complaint against Jesus by the religious order of the day sparked Jesus, pardon me, to teach a, teach some life principles with three short stories. And here they are. The first one is the parable of the lost sheep. It's in it's in verse four through seven, and I, yeah, it's up there. It's a little faint. I'm sorry, that's I did that. Uh, the parable of the lost sheep, and quickly I, I, I've got I've got to run through these, but let me just read you this one. What? Uh, so he spoke this parable to them, saying, "What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go out to to find the one which is lost, and, and he searches till he finds it, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and." neighbor saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my lost sheep or my sheep, which was lost catch verse seven. Now he's starting to tell them what this means. I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven. Oh, there's now we're getting to the theme of the, now we're getting to the heart of the matter. You get it? Making heaven happy. He said, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who who need no repentance? That's the parable of the lost sheep. Then there's the parable of the lost coin. It's only three verses, 8, 9, and 10. And a woman loses a, a a coin and she goes out, she searches and finds it. And she finds the coin and she calls her friends and neighbors. Verse 9, rejoice with me for I found the peace which was lost. Uh, likewise here it he is he's explaining it again I say to you there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents now there's nothing hidden here about what he's teaching and then the parable of the lost son which we call the what the the prodigal's son and, and it's a pretty lengthy story, but basically the prodigal goes out and he, he gets his inheritance prematurely, but, and he goes out and he spends it all and he wastes it all and he finds himself in the pig pen of life. And the Bible says he comes to himself and he realizes uh, my dad's servants got it better than me. And he said, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go back and maybe he'll just let me be a servant in his house. And so he gets up and he goes back after wasting it all. And his father's on the porch waiting for him every day. He'd been watching for his son, his long son to come home, and he sees his lost son, and he sees him, and he runs out, and he embraces him, and, and, and hugs him, and loves him, and says, put a robe on his uh, back, and put a ring on his finger, and my, my son that was lost has now come home, and he said, let's kill the fatted calf, let's, let's have a party, and older brother gets hacked off, because he's been there doing, been faithful, and God never gave him a party, and his dad says, yeah, I've been with you, everything I've always had has always been yours. And he sells the same principle. And he, they, they were merry and, and they were happy. Verse 32, it was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is now found. Everyone say lost, lost. and now found. Now, those three stories are in response to the religious Jews of the day who said, He's hanging out with sinners. He's receptive to sinners and he's eating with them. Oh my. Now, what were they, what was their problem? Now, here it is. Jewish culture of the day was. An honor or shame kind of driven culture. If you look at it and, and you read, you think about it. it uh, as a, as a Jew, you were always trying to live up to being honorable. And if you weren't honorable, you were shamed. And so it was it it was like if I don't if I don't make the grade, they, they, there was shame to you. So there was shame. And so that's the culture of the day, and that's what you were hearing, and that's what Jesus saw when they just said he's hanging out with sinners. Shame on him. Righteous people, if he says he's righteous what's he doing hanging out with them what's he eating with them shame on him and that was the culture of the day and therefore that culture produced a religious caste system if you didn't ma- measure up you were shamed you had to work hard and be and obey all the rules it was a it was a culture of shame and honor and what Jesus addressed when he addressed uh, uh, when he shared this story is in response to that culture he faced that culture and and he crushed the religious caste system with With these three short simple stories. And in these three short simple stories, one of the big truths is everybody matters to God. Whether you're a lost sheep or a lost coin or a wayward son who's abused and used your father's love and care for you. All of the... It doesn't matter who you are or what you are, what you have done. There's no religious caste system with God. He loves us all the same. Amen. And he just crushed their mindset. In fact... He let them know his heart. His heart. In fact, 2 Peter 3, 9 says this, God's not willing that any should perish. He doesn't want anybody to stay lost. He doesn't want anyone to miss the, the, the restoration of God in their life. And so, so Jesus was addressing that present day Jewish culture that said, hey, if you don't make the grade, you're, you're, you're nobody, you're nothing. And Jesus is hanging out with the nobodies. He's hanging out with the nothings. He's hanging out with the low caste, for goodness sake. So Jesus crushed it with these stories. He said, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and 99 who have no need of repentance or 99 who think they're righteous. God gets happy when lost people are found so the overarching theme of these this threefold parabolic stories, these three stories, here, here it is. Here's the big theme of it all. This is what you and I need to embrace in our life on everyday basis about what God has for us. And here it is. All of heaven gets happy when that which is lost has been found. All of heaven begins to rejoice get happy when that which was lost has now been found. And so, you know what, when you were born again, how many of you here are born again? If you're born again, just say amen. If you're born again and you got saved and you can go, how many of you can go back to the place you were born again and you know exactly where you were and what happened in your life and what was going on. And you got a, you got a timestamp in your heart about the day you got born again. And when you became a child of God, if you, if you've got that in your heart, say Amen. You know what happened that day when you got saved and you gave your life to Christ and you, that that which was lost was now found. All of heaven began to rejoice because you were born again and became a child of God. That's what makes heaven happy. Amen. In fact, those verses, Luke 15, 10, there's more joy in heaven. Over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons that need no repentance. Look, verse 10, the lost coin. There's more joy in the presence of angels, and uh, uh, the angels of God over one sinner who Repents. Verse 22 through 24, it says this, but the father said to his servant, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now found. That's what makes heaven happy. And it reveals when you realize what makes heaven happy, it reveals heaven's overarching purpose for our lives. To make heaven happy uh, requires us to embrace what makes Jesus uh, uh, happy. and, And we've got to embrace that into our life and incorporate it in our life. In fact, if you go to Luke 19, you don't need to, but it's the story of Zacchaeus. How many of you remember Zacchaeus from Sunday school? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree to see. The Lord he wanted to see. And as the Lord was, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to, you remember Zacchaeus, you got him? Okay, everybody say, I got it, Pastor. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. The tax collector, by the way, one of the guys probably hanging out there in Luke 15, and Luke 19, Zacchaeus uh, uh, had an experience with Jesus Christ. And at the end of the experience where Zacchaeus was gloriously born again because Jesus went to his house and fellowshiped with him. And it says this truth. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost that's why jesus came that's the whole purpose that's what makes heaven happy Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Uh, and, it, and, and when you go to the Jesus' last words, you remember Jesus' last words, called the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go into all the world. He's talking to the church. He's talking to you and me. Because, of, hey, now we have the responsibility. You need to understand something. We, as God's people, as God's church, we have the responsibility to make sure heaven stays happy. And the commission, Jesus' famous last words before he ascended to the right side of the Father, he said, Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The great commission. Listen, he commissioned us to keep heaven happy. And what makes heaven happy? When people get saved. And so... If you ever kind of get distracted about what our whole purpose here, you just say, well, what makes heaven happy? What makes heaven happy? When people get saved. When lost people are found. Now I'm going to confess something to you. Every once in a while I watch TV. Not much. Not lately. Because as you know, Beverly and I are in a transition moment in our life. And and, uh, we're searching for another home. Uh, and so uh, we're looking where we want to land. And but one of my favorite shows when I get to watch it, it's Gold Rush. Any Gold Rush fans here? Anybody think I'm still no Gold Rush? It's it's two families. I love it. it. Me and my son we love it. It's two two uh, kind of warring families who are up in the. Uh, Klondike, if that's where it's at. And they're searching for gold. They're mining gold. It's the Hoffman's Todd Hoffman against young, uh, Parker Schnabel. And it's just, man, I've watched it for like eight seasons and the whole, man, they're searching for gold, man. They, they got gold fever in the first few seasons. It was funny. They just found a little bit. Now they're home to it. They're catching gold. They're, they're, they're getting millions of dollars worth of gold. But one thing I learned about them, none of them got happy searching for it. The party started when they found it. When that which was lost was found. And man, every 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 episode, you know, you're waiting for the weigh-in. Oh my goodness, earth. did they get it, or did they get it not? Man, they're just getting millions of dollars worth. Of it. I'm telling you, they get happy. They kill the fatted calf, and they do probably things we shouldn't do, celebrating. Uh, uh, but hey, uh, they they none of them none of them get excited about searching for it. They they they, they get hopeful, but not but not happy. Now let me ask you this question. In the news here recently, sad, sad story. A grandmother ha- had her grandkids there walking through the woods, and she either gets confused and m- misses a little, I think, two- or three-year-old who wanders off. And next thing, grandma knows, one of the little ones is gone. True story. Search and search. For that little boy never found him until it was too late. Let me promise you, nobody was happy searching for him. Nobody was happy when, the, when hopefully they found some, some, some uh, evidence of, of the potential. Nobody's happy about the potential of him being found. Hope- hopeful but not happy. And sadly, that story ended terribly. And their hope was dashed. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs thirteen twelve, hope deferred, that means removed or delayed or stifled, makes the heart sick. But when desire comes, it's a tree of life. In other words, when what you were hoping for is realized, that's when happiness hits the fan. That's when rejoicing hits the fan. Not until that which was lost is found. Nobody finds happiness in the in the potential of people being born again. Hopeful, but not happy. And I'm convinced that as God's looking down in many local churches and in many cultures today, He's either happy or just hopeful. When God looks down upon you, my friend, and He looks down upon me, is He hoping we catch it, or is He happy that we caught it? Because hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when it's realized, when hope is realized, happiness brings a tree of life. Amen? Amen? Now, in these three stories, there's some commonality. It reveals heaven and as, as well as Jesus' attitude towards sinners. Because that's what we're talking about. Sinners, people who are sinners, they're lost, they don't know Christ. Jesus' attitude towards sinners. Let me give you a, a couple of quick thoughts here. Uh, number one, we see in these three parables, he wel- He's welcoming of sinners. He's welcoming them. It says He receives sinners. Oh! <gasps> He opens his arms to sinners. Number two, he's fellowshipping with sinners. Most Christians don't know many sinners. They're scared of them. La-dee-da-da. Think about it. I read a story of a pastor of a local church. He he realized all the people he knew, the friends he knew, uh, were were Christians, and so he went out and he found something he loved to do. I think it was sailing, and he went out and joined a sailing club and and made sure that uh, he just wanted to find the the most sinful bunch of the and, and he began to interact with these the the sailing club because he realized I gotta hang around the sinners if I'm going to make heaven happy. I've got to hang around sinners. Now, you don't let the sinners uh in, in in infect you. You're supposed to infect them. How many of you know light's supposed to expel the darkness? So Jesus in heaven welcomes sinners, fellowships with sinners. In fact, we find in these parables that heaven and Jesus are always searching for sinners. Verse 4, it says, uh, he left the ninety and nine and went out to find the lost. Jesus is he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He's searching and seeking after sinners to be saved. And then we find out another one, he's caring for sinners. Verse 5, I love it about the lost sheep. It says, when he found it, he put, put it on his shoulders. And carried it home and, and brought the little sheep home. Everybody go, Aah. Have you ever met a little sheep? You ever hung out with a little sheep? I'm not talking about a big armory goat. I'm talking about a sheep. Aah. They're so sweet, but they're lost. They don't know any better. They just wander and they're lost. Some people get upset with lost people. Hey, get off it, They can't help it! We look at the lost people. Uh, uh, hey, listen, and so uh, heaven is seeking after and caring and concerned about sinners. You know, when we bring fresh water to the people of Mexico, a, a lot of them are just sinners. But we're blessing sinners. There, a lot of them are born again. i am telling you, it's fun to find some. Uh, you just need to go and hang out with people. You know, some of you, if you've been to Mexico, it's Cancun. Yeah, I've been to Mexico. Then I'll take you to Quahini, Quilapa, and I'll get you an experience. We stayed in one of the hotels in Quahini, Quilapa. And my wife, first thing she said, I gave her a little video of where we were. She said, have you seen any scorpions? I said, no, this place is great. Last morning we were there, walked down a little four-year area. It's kind of an open area, and there's a little tree growing there. And I looked up under the, one well, between the table and the couch, It's the biggest, blackest, meanest, ugliest scorpion I said I gotta take a picture of that one I'll take you to Mexico I'll make sure iguana is on the menu these people a lot of them are born again there's great to find there's little churches everywhere but there's lost people everywhere we don't go and just bless the Christians we go bless the lost people interact with lost people and help lost people. Jesus cares about sinners and he values sinners. Just like the lost coin. It's representative of God. You ever lose any money? You ever lose something valuable to you? Come on, everybody's lost something valuable. Anybody lost anything worth over a thousand dollars? Oh, it breaks your heart. Anybody ever lost, I lost my senior ring once and I can't tell you that story, but my mama was were hacked off about it more than I because she's the one paid for it. Uh, and so it was valuable to her. I had to pray a miracle prayer for it to come back home. I, I'm telling you, it was a miracle. You lose things of value. God values lost people. They're valuable to him. Amen. Aren't you glad that God valued you? He, he vows you so much, he gave his only son so you could be born again. And then we also see in these three stories, he loves and embraces sinners. That's why the father waiting for his wayward son to come home, he runs to him and embraces him. You don't find him giving him a tongue lashing. You don't find him chewing him up and spitting him out. You don't find him lecturing him about his wayward sinful ways. Jesus Embraces sinners that and we see that God loves us and embraces us and cares for us now Religious attitude towards sinners is all different Religiosity in the religion of the day which is the Pharisees and the scribes and their complaint That Jesus was hanging around sinners listen the religious attitude and mindset with sinners is and by and large condemning and you see that in Scripture, but you also see it in the world we live in today. And the older son of the wayward son, or the older son of the father, and the brother of the wayward son, he was condemning of his brother. Look in verse 25 through 30. It says this, For this my son was dead, and he's alive now the, his older son was in the field. And he came and drew near to the house, and he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what's, what all this meant. He said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father's killed the fatted." calf, but he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I've, I've transgressed. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a, wild, a young goat that I might ha- make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, catch that, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and always all I have is Yours, it was right that we make Mary and be glad. But the religiosity of his life, and that's, that's a picture of, of the religious order of the day, it's condemning. He's been hanging out with the harlots, he abused you and used you. If you remember this story, John 8, the religious people brought a harlot threw him at Jesus feet. Remember that? They're trying to get him to slip up and says the law says we need to stone her. What do you say? You know what Jesus did? He started writing in the sand. We don't know what he wrote, but it set everybody straight. And finally all the accusers left. You remember that? And then there's just Jesus and this woman who had been, had been caught in the very act of adultery and he, uh, they'd been thrown in the, in the dust and the dirt at his feet. And I can just see him picking her up and say, where's, he says, where's all your accusers? Where's those who are condemning you? She said, they're gone, they're none. He said, neither do I condemn you. Just go and sin no more. Religious people condemn us or condemn sinners righteous people realize that they can't help in fact you know what jesus said in john uh, 3 you know we all know john 316 but i think john 317 somewhere in there he said hey those who don't believe are condemned already you see there's no need for us to condemn sinners because they're already condemned what we need to do is get them uncondemned And so, but religious people, the religious order of the day, they look at sin and sinners and they condemn sin. Uh, Listen, we should condemn sin, but not condemn sinners. They're already condemned. What we've got to be involved in is redeeming them and making heaven happy again. Amen. So religious people condemn sinners. They're callous to sinners. Religious people are callous. They don't want to hang around them. We don't want to be a part of them. They complained that Jesus was hanging around them. They're callous. Verse 29 and 30, uh, this uh, this younger brother, he says, Lo, all these years, uh, uh, I have been serving you. I have, catch this word, "I, I never transgressed your covenant at any time, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. What's this guy all about? It's all about me, myself, and I with this guy. It's all about what makes me happy and that's what I began this whole thing with is most church folk think that church is here to make them happy that God's here to make them happy ooh, ooh, let's have, you know my friend Ron Hammond says this the church is not a cruise ship for the saints it's a fishing vessel for sinner religious people are callous they're only concerned about themselves what's in it for me In fact, when you get really religious, you refuse to identify with sinners. Like you never were one or like you're you're not still one now. The older brother said this, catch this, it was his flesh and blood. He looked at his daddy, this son of yours. You ever heard that? You ever heard a parent say, you ever heard a a wife say, you better get control of your son like she found him on a street corner somewhere. (laughs) You better get a hold of that boy of yours like he just popped into existence. Well, that's what this brother's doing. He's denying any connection. He's denying any responsibility. He's callous. He's, he's, he's refusing even to identify with the reality that he's just as hardcore sinner as his, his younger brother was. Uh, he just manifested in a whole different way. We get callous if we get religious. And then we become downright contentious. Ooh, have you ever met any mean Christians? That's really an oxymoron. I think that's what, there should be no such thing. But verse 30, but as soon as this son of yours came who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf. It says he became angry. There was a conflict. See, Jesus embraces and loves religiosity, resists and becomes callous and condemning and contentious. And That's what brings about the problem about making heaven happy. If we get religious, we'll never make heaven happy. Now, I'm about done, but let me show you the four key players in these three parables. And you just ask yourself, which one are you? The four key players, really there's three that you could ask yourself, uh, am I this person or am I that person? Let me just show them to you and then we're going to pray here in just a moment. Number one, the sinner. Verse seven, God gets happy about one sinner, over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Let me tell you the reality about that. That represents us all at some point. In fact, there's an old hymn, Beverly played it for the ladies last year, I think. It's just, I'm just a sinner, saved by grace. And that's the reality. And so these four, these three parables, the sinner is the is kind of the focal point, and and how do we respond as sinners, or how do we respond to sinners, and uh, are we going to be religious over them, or are we going to take the heart of Jesus over them, or are we still living in our sin? In fact, the reality is Isaiah fifty three six, the prophetic uh, 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 declaration in Isaiah fifty three about what Christ did for us. It says, "All we like sheep have gone astray, all of us." has turned to our own way and the lord god laid on him that is jesus the iniquity of us all that was calvary but all we like sheep have gone astray so in these three parables there's the sinner whether it's representative of the lost sheep who just innocently but yet because they're still sinners they wander it's just their nature or whether it's just a lost coin that, that that life has misplaced. Let me tell you, there's a lot of people today. They're lost because of they're they're lost because of someone else's misuse and abuse of them. And lack of care and value for them. They can't help it. They're just lost. Then there's the one that just turned his nose at his father's love and walked out rebelliously, maliciously, walked away and rebelled against family and friends and God. They're all just sinners. So there's the sinner, then there's the selfish. That's the older brother. It's all about me. When you get right down to it, no concerned about anybody else but myself. And when things go amiss, we get angry, contentious, religious, callous, condemning of others. I've met those people. I've met them. I've been one. Selfish people. Selfish Christians. It ought not to be even two. Those two words go go together. Because the whole purpose that Jesus came came to seek and to save that which was lost and give his life a ransom for many. And then there's the seeker. Now, of course, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. But uh, hey, listen, the seeker, those who are searching for lost people, that represents us. That represents the church. The shepherd going to find his lost one, that that represents not just Jesus but the church because we are his hands extended into this world. We're the ones who he looked at and said, go into all the world and find the lost people and turn them into genuine followers of Jesus Christ. And teach them all the things that I taught you. That's the great commission purpose for all of us. And we need to ask ourselves this morning, am I just a sinner who needs to be saved? Where do you fit in these three? Because we all fit somewhere, my friend, I'm telling you. Am I just a sinner who needs to be saved? He loves you just like he loves the 99, maybe even more if it could be possible. Or am I one of those selfish Christians I'm just trying to get the monkey off my back so I could get all I can and can the rest? And hold the fort till Jesus comes. And keep that sin. Out of my house and out of my world and keep those sinners at bay and keep them from infecting my kids for goodness sake. Let me tell you something. All three of my, ch- I'm just gonna get, can I get on the soapbox just a second? Can I do it just for a second? I'm, I'm about to be 60. Give me a little break here. Hey, all my kids are, 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 are raised fine adults now. Two of them here. My other son serves at Covenant Church in Dallas. They all serve the Lord. My two girls are here. You saw them singing on the platform this morning. They got, I got great grandkids. They were raised in public school that I put them out into the middle of the world that I did not guard them and protect them from evil from the sta- the evil world we got to keep our kids from the evil world no the bible says our children are like arrows that we shoot into the darkness and all three of my children are serving god today because the, because they they were raised in the middle of a church family that said people need the lord amen now we were protective but we didn't keep them they grew up and they learned what was right and wrong and they ch- made right choices. Thank you, Jesus. You can't keep the, yourself out of the, you're in the. Jesus prayed for us in John 17. He said, You're in the world, just don't be of the world. Amen. Don't be selfish. Be a part of this group that is committed to making heaven happen. Be a part of the seekers who are, uh, are following the care and the concern of God to go out into all the world and search for that which was lost. The father sat daily waiting. He didn't know where his son was. Somebody said, well, he should have gone out and found him. Now, there's a difference between the sheep and this lost son. Let me throw that out. The sheep didn't did, was just aimlessly lost because that was his nature the son rebelled against authority but the father was still waiting and ready to receive him back some people who rebel against God I've heard people tell me this they get this all mixed up when people kind of tell God to get lost and they tell the church to get lost and they take off into their own world having known the truth having known the way of the Lord and they take off and they resist my compassionate don't do that don't go that way and they head off into the darkness people tell me pastor you know that story that parable about the Sheep, you're supposed to leave the 99 and go out. That's religious talking, by the way. Yeah, there really you, you're supposed to do that, not me, but you're supposed to do that, and you're supposed to go find them because they're lost. I said, No, they're not lost, they know exactly where they are, yes. and one day when they get sick and tired of the pig pen of life. Come on now. They got all that stuff they want. They'll come to themselves if we pray for them. And they'll have a revelation knowledge. I had it better at home. And I'm going to come home because mama's praying for me. Daddy's praying for me. My uncle's praying for me. My brother's praying for me. My sister's praying for me. And they'll come home to God because we don't close our hearts to them. And we wait for them and we love them. And I'll bet you that, Father, every day. said, Jesus, bring my baby boy Home to me. And let me throw this last. There's not only the sinner and the seeker and the selfish, but there's the Savior. To seek and to save that which is lost. He lives on the inside of us. And He wants to find these lost people through us. And let them see the light of Jesus in us. Because He loves them just like He loved you. He died for them just like he died for you. So today, listen, heaven's not happy because of 99 just people hanging out, eating crumpets and drinking tea. Heaven's not happy with churches who are hock full of selfish people, but no lost people. That doesn't make heaven happy. heaven's not happy when we have hey and I believe that the church ought to be a blessing to the to the church we need to bless one another I'm not being critical I'm not being uh, mean spirited towards people who have the capacity to be a blessing to their church I think we ought to bless people we ought to bless each other but let me tell you something that's not our primary purpose here as a church family to have a cruise ship for the saints it's a fishing vessel for sinners for goodness sake and we've got to come to the place where we realize that heaven will never be happy with you or me until we realize this and we began to embrace the reality that people are going to hell every day while we sit in our selfish world and try to get all we can and can the rest Woo! heaven is happy when one lost soul is found Let me just close with this. Regardless of who, who, you, who you're representative of here, whether you're the sinner, the selfish, or the seeker, all three of you can make heaven happy today. The sinner can make heaven happy by just responding in faith to what Christ has done. The selfish can make heaven happy by repenting of our selfish nature and say, God, have turn me into a seeker seeker can make heaven happy by just letting Jesus shine through them to a world that needs Christ let's stand together today all of us have the capacity to make heaven happy Father today all of us we're just sinners saved by grace. Father, forgive us today for our selfish ways. Lord, show us who we really are. Don't let us be religious, Lord. Help us to be righteous. Help us to love people like you love people. Help us to see people the way you see people. Lord, you saw the woman caught in adultery, not as a sinner and to be cast aside and condemned, but as someone who just needs to be saved. And I thank you that you did that for me. You did that for my family. You did it for my grandchildren, Lord. You did it for the little children in Mexico that I loved on this week. You love the whole world so much that you gave your only son that whosoever would believe on you would not perish. So fathers we stand today Whether we're a sinner in need of a savior Or a selfish Christian who's got it all Turned around and mixed up and Whether we're just a church member Who wants to do more for Jesus Help us today Help us to make heaven happy this week Help us to see the lost in a whole new way. Forgive us, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. As we stand here in His presence, I sense the Holy Ghost certainly not a manipulator it's a little after 12 it's too late for that I just ask you whether you're a visitor, first time guest long term member sporadic attender just to let God have his way in your life this morning don't walk out of here and miss what God's doing right now in your heart In fact, I'm fixing to pray a prayer. I'm I'm about to pray a prayer that God would seal what he's doing in your life and it would come to fruition and begin to bring forth much fruit in your life. And if you want that to happen, I'm going to ask you today in your heart, if you want to lift your hands today. This may for some be a little uncomfortable, and that's fine if you don't want to do it. You lift your hands in your heart. Lord, today I lift my hands to you, and I pray you would seal what you're saying to me in my heart. That it would change my life and transform me. Cause me to be a part of what you're a part of, and that's making heaven happy. Loving people and, and sharing with people the love of Jesus and seeing people come home to Christ. Lord, seal that deal in my heart today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Let's give the word of God a great big praise. today. thank God for his word. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give him some praise today and thank him. Hallelujah. Thank you for saving us, Lord. Woo!